Record on the on the on the on the voices yet? I don't know. Did we? I do. Always do. Every once in a great while, a yes or no would be <laughs> okay. Much appreciated. Yeah, we yeah we we totally did. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, so what what we got? Episode three now. Episode three. Episode three, and this is not the third time we've recorded it, so we're not doing three of three. Yeah, that'd be weird. We'll save that for season three, episode three. Oh, rad! We'll totally do that. With like outtakes and stuff. So last episode, what we talked? Oh, right, right, right. Um, I'm Jack. I'm Rob. Right, and this is we can, can edit, edit that, that out. out. Episode three, uh, season uh, two. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. <laughs> um, podcasts. What are they? What were they? What were they? Books. What were they? Libraries. What did they do there? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this episode is supposed to be, uh, how you been? So, how you been? I don't know, been pretty good. Yeah, okay, what have you been doing? Yeah, uh, been working on a bunch of projects. I just released a music video with Fixed Lens, and we just put out an EP, played some shows in Finland, mm-hmm. went to Tampere and Helsinki for the first time, and got to have like the whole Finnish punk experience. It was super awesome, mm-hmm. and snowy and cold, but still super awesome. And, uh, yeah, just been kind of trucking along. How about you? Well, I, I wanted to comment on you a little bit. Okay, go for it. So, so Helsinki was great. What, what, was your, what was your favorite part about Helsinki? What was, the, what was your takeaway? That, that's what people say. Well, I've always kind of had this takeaway for, for a while, but uh, I think like... You can't have a takeaway until you, 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 you know? Okay. Well, I, until you certain things, get there so you can take something away. <laughs> certain things were reinforced. One, I think uh, the quality of musicians in Finland is far higher than most other countries. And I don't know why that is. I feel like the ever since I started really getting into international punk, I always really fixated on stuff that was coming out of Finland. I just thought there was something really kind of special and energetic about it. There's so many good bands in that scene. And there's, I don't know if there's something in the water, if it's the excessive amount of licorice everyone's eating or (laughs) saunas or the combination of like saunas and licorice, maybe. The licorice they're eating, the liquor they're (laughs) drinking. Uh, Sometimes it's the same thing. Did you have some salmiaki? Yes, did. And had some lacco, which I guess is like... It's similar to samiyaki, but it's different. But it's still kind of like a a homemade l- liqueur made from licorice. Rad. They I've never si- tried that. Yeah, apparently it's two different things, but it still tastes oh, okay. very similar to me. But okay, okay. Know, they right. have a fine palate yeah. for stuff like for licorice and all uh, licorice uh, derivatives. Yeah. Mm. So we uh, we played uh, two shows, and each show had like two hardcore punk bands and two post punk bands. So we played with. Koti Tua and Neo, which are two really awesome hardcore punk bands, and then um, Aus Tears from Helsinki and Dragsvik from Helsinki as well. And uh, it was just a super awesome blast of a weekend. Had a really, really great time. Got to see some stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Overall impression was like super positive. Came back pretty uh, inspired, I think. That's great. 
do you think maybe it's that it's it's so fucking cold there that there's not much to do during the winter but uh jam i mean it could be you know that was always the theory about seattle and portland right was that it was so snow or so rainy and drizzly and cold and miserable that no one had anything better to do than to you know go into the basement and play some fucking music right right Anthony Bourdain talked about that when he came to Seattle. He's like, uh, Seattle, the, the city of like uh, obsessing over something till it's perfect because what the fuck else are you going to do? Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> that's, 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 it could very well be the, the Finnish uh, scenario as well. There's also the Swedish thing. I don't know if it happens in Finnish uh, or Finland. So many great bands came out of Sweden. And t- talking to people about it and getting through it, it's like, uh, but but uh, a lot of times uh, the Swedish government will pay people to be in bands, even like not very big bands at all. They consider it a form of art and art gets subsidized there. Hmm. So people get uh, money for playing in, you know, garagey level bands. That's pretty cool. I mean, I remember do, do when... Did you hear anything? Do you yeah, know well, I remember... Oh. I remember, like, I think this happens in Canada, too. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, I think, what was it? It was Decontrol. Decontrol is this D-beat band from... uh, Yeah, I remember those guys. Nice guys. Canada, yeah, super nice guys. But I remember they... They had a story that they got some, like, subsidized, like, grant money and then their own, like, dole. And they, like, mm-hmm. pulled it all together and they were eating dog food. They would get, like, big bags of dried dog food. I remember this Yeah, and story. they would, like, mix it with water oh, and they would just right. eat it. And then they were able to, like, buy, like, Marshall, Marshall Stacks yeah. for their fucking band. They were the total fucking original road warriors of punk, you know? Yeah, for sure dog food to keep the band together yeah. man. but definitely scandinavia has way more resources that they allocate towards the arts and yeah. maybe it's like a mixture of that with like a really good healthcare system and just a generally good quality of life that lends people more uh liberty to like focus on things like art and music i don't know i mean we definitely got finland and sweden Norway, I mean, if you're talking about black metal, that's the black metal capital of the world. Uh, what happened to Denmark? I mean, there's a, there's some good Denmark Danish bands, but not nearly uh, the level as there is uh, the other Scandi- Scandinavian countries. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're into. Like, as far as like punchy hardcore, Denmark yeah. is like a huge capital of that stuff yeah so copenhagen really has its own signature sound of like d-beat and hardcore Mm -hmm, where it's mm -hmm. like really stompy you know punk not really so much crust but just sort of this fine line there yeah i've been listening to a lot of that style lately but i haven't really come across that many bands from denmark that do that but you know, maybe maybe uh, after the show, you, you show me some some bands to check out. I mean, I'm, I remember the Vicious and what what, what was it? what was the band that every No Hope for the Kids. Yeah, Vicious were Swedish, I uh, believe, but No Hope for the Kids is definitely a Copenhagen. Okay, and then there was people involved in No Hope for the Kids and around that band that did a shit ton of other bands that were all really fucking good. You sure uh, Vicious was from Sweden? Pretty I don't sure. know. Pretty sure. Okay, I'm dumb. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they're... F- yeah, you're right. You're I feel right. like they're Swedish. Okay, okay, okay. We'll go with that. Um, we can edit that part out. Yeah. Edit out the parts where I sound stupid. <laughs> not, f- not much of a show <laughs> then, is it? 
<laughs> you know what we could what we could do is we could make um, a playlist that goes along with the podcast. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe we can between Jack and I we can come up with sort of introductory list to like new and new and current Finnish Danish. Yeah. Scandinavian stuff we like. And then we can throw D-Control on there because we just threw them out. We can put Fixed Lens on there because I'm sure the people who are listening to the podcast want to hear the music you're doing too. Yeah. You know, I mean, they should. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll look for some links. We'll, we'll make some playlists. And okay. Stuff. Sounds we'll, right. We'll, we should make a few playlists, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. Scandinavians don't like to mix. What do you mean mix? I mean they they kind of like each like other, but they mix. they kind of don't really like each other. It's it's oh no 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 they don't. Yeah, um, I was talking to somebody in Finland about it one time. He said, "Oh, you guys hate Swedish people, and Swedish people hate you guys." He's like, "No, we don't hate each other. We just like to make fun of each other." I'm like, "Oh, cool. So what's what's the joke? What's what what, what do you talk shit about Swedish people mainly?" He goes, "Oh, that they're like kind of stuck up and arrogant." okay cool you know i mean i really like swedish people but you know uh, as a general stereotype that's funny you know mm. i don't i don't want to like you know crucify myself by saying oh, swedish people are stuck up because they're not but if you say that about them everybody is gonna have a little bit of a laugh about it anyway and i said uh so what does swedish people say about you guys he goes oh that were trash i'm like <laughs> Yeah, that must be why I really like it over in Finland. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm a trash person too. Cool. All right. <laughs> it all makes sense. It's all coming yeah, in full circle. Exactly, man. Exactly. I, was t- I remember I was telling Julie one time about the fin-, fin in Finland and Helsinki, especially they have bars where there's no music and there's no talking, and there's like one man at each table drinking by themselves. And I went to this bar one time and and I was laughing because I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in one of those bars. I took a picture of all the single guys at single tables, sent it to Julie, and she writes back. She goes, yeah, but you're one of them. (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) From the outside looking in, yeah, I'm a single guy sitting at a single table drinking by himself as I open my book. So wait, like the the bar is just a place where you go and you just to drink just to drink and you don't no one's talking to each other is there music no there's no music it's just quiet yeah and people just go in don't say shit to each other and they just sit there and drink yeah that's fucking weird you can talk but people don't really i think it's one of those things where it's like "Eh, i don't really want to talk sometimes they have separate tables for each person and then sometimes it's like cafeteria rows with long tables and 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 the long benches and there'll be space enough space between each other so that they don't you know have to interact and stuff yeah it's 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 a real thing okay yeah i've been to a few of them you know one time i was with my friend uh finnish guy max and we go oh i want to say hello to this bartender friend of mine we got to stop into this bar okay cool so we go into this bar and he's just talking loud as fuck non-stop and i look around and i'm like oh fuck max we're in one of those bars where you're not supposed to talk and he looks around he's like yeah you just figured that out i'm like well what about you you're 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 talking a lot i don't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> like okay 
He's like, I mean, talking, it's not like a rule that nobody talks. It's just people go there because it's mostly not. And if you don't want to talk, nobody's going to talk to you. If you do want to talk, you can, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a, a restriction okay. uh, by any means. It's just like a, a safe space for non-talkers. Gotcha. Huh. See, it'd be, it'd be funny because like if I was going to the non-talking bar, you know, with the intention of just going there just to have drinks and not to talk to anybody and some big talkers came in. Right. I would maybe instinctively want to go to like the person next to me and go, it's like we got some talkers. Right. But then you'd be a they, talker. They look at you, like you're fucking talking. Oh, great. Now every, now I'm talking, telling you this. Now everybody in this bar is talking. The whole effect is ruined. You know. It's a slippery slope. Cats living with dogs. Anyway. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, I had a great time there. I would love to go back and see some more shit. Okay. And, cool. and travel around there, maybe tour some more or just go there and like hang out. But, you know. All of my fin- Finland experiences have been wonderful. Uh, you know, awesome. last last summer when we went with uh, Totenwald to Puntala Fest and what I saw of Tampere and Helsinki just seems like a, two, three places that really have their shit together. And, yeah. you know, people right. are really genuine and nice and caring. And, you know, it's just a, a super nice experience. Some of the nicest goddamn people ever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Helsinki in what in uh, uh, two weeks for the okay. Helsinki Tattoo Convention. Cool. And I've been doing it every year for about eight years now. I'm a regular, regular. Yeah, it's a real good time. Yeah, I bought. I got some uh, pastel uh, samayaki tablets to try and make the oh. booze. Oh, with. are you going to try and do that? Fuck yeah! Right. Of course, I'm going to try to do that. Uh-huh. So okay. Um, well, I got to try some when you're done with it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I got like oh, two nice. regular and then two like, it's like licorice and raspberry combined. Oh, that'll be so good. So maybe like if I combine the two, then it'll be like subtle raspberry, but right. not like overpowering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going to try yeah. it and see. Slight hint of raspberry would put it over the top. I yeah. Think. So yeah. I've been watching some YouTube videos and trying to figure out how to do it. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. cram a bunch into a bottle of vodka and wait for a month. Yeah, I mean that's that seems like, what that seems like what it did. But I've been seeing different videos, and some people crush up the tablets, some people just put them in whole, and I feel like you should crush them up a little bit. But I don't want to make like a licorice mud, or do I? Do you strain it out a bit at the end? Yeah, you have to. Okay. Otherwise, otherwise you'd be you'd have sediment all over your yeah, try try a little shirt. bit all, i mean i know you can buy lacrets in the in the, in the stores here in berlin you know so if you if you fuck up on those and then i can bring you some back from uh yeah hell stinky also yeah you know? so oh. well well I'll, I'll try this batch i've got like a bottle of vodka that i bought for like a dinner party that we never opened okay. so i'm gonna just use that and give it a shot and see how it goes and you know well, we'll wait a month and see. So you bought a bottle of vodka for a dinner party and never opened it. How was that dinner party? <laughs> well, you were there. What? And we never opened a bottle of vodka. Yeah. Then I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, it was actually. Uh, it was actually New Year's. It is New Year. Oh, right, New Year's where I broke my foot. Yeah. yeah. Jumping over the fire. We. Uh, we had a outside New Year's. It was it was rather warm in Berlin for New Year's uh, this year, 
And so we had like an outside uh, barbecue bonfire at our friend Marina and Hannes's. At midnight, uh, somebody had to jump over the bonfire and nobody else did. So I did. Twisted the fuck out of my ankle. Was limping for like two months. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you. I saw you land. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Oh, that foot's going the wrong way. Yeah. Glad you didn't break it though. No, no. I'm really good at breaking my feet for some reason. So, a uh, quick follow up question. Why did you, ha- why did somebody have to jump over the fire? Because, is um, that like a thing? Susie uh, uh, did an inception on me on the train. She was talking about that every New Year's somebody has to jump over the fire. I was like, oh okay and it just stuck in my head the whole time and as you get drunker these inception things get stronger so that when it came up i was like somebody has to jump over the fire you know and and i did and you know i think it just makes you even more of an idiot when you're that susceptible to uh inceptions okay yeah i think it's real uh, easy to inception the uh small-minded so you plant little details ahead of schedule and then the person will just sort of naturally follow through with it out of just being like uh, influenced or incepted? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's seen the movie Inception. So when I think you say Inception, everybody just like clicks in and knows what the fuck you're talking mm. about, you know? See, like I, I've seen, you know, I've seen Tenet and I've seen Inception and Shutter Island and stuff. And I wonder if I'm just one of these people that just sort of pretends like they understand what's going on, but maybe secretly doesn't because <laughs> I've seen I've seen Inception like three times. Okay. I tried to watch Tenet twice. Yeah. Shutter Island, I think I saw like one and a half times. And I'm sitting there like looking around. And I'm like, does everyone really understand this like so well? No. I think it's, I think Inception was like a little easier to understand. Yeah. Tenet, like. Uh, Karina and I went to go see Tenet in the theater during lockdown yeah. and there was like we were like two of four people in the entire theater were you guys all looking at each other like <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on um, that's the thing the, the director just kind of makes a little bit of art and, and kind of like uh, I mean art doesn't have to hit you over the head with a metaphor art can just like kind of like uh reference stuff to give you the feeling of it you know and and uh tenant was just his concept of time and it's like let me just like show you what time and quantum physics uh ideas of relativity with time and and does all time exist uh all at the same time and if that's true then we're going backwards as well as forward and so you're kind of supposed to be confused by it okay you know well in that case inception uh... inception is consciousness inception is just different levels of consciousness you know Mm. You, you got you know the 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 where we are at right now brain and then you have the the parts that are a little bit uh shrouded in the back of your head that you because because you know we're thinking about this podcast but there's a uh something buried behind there that's also thinking of like shit did i did i did i did i pull my laundry out you know Mm, okay even though you're actually actively thinking about this podcast and then way back there there's subconscious stuff that's like um 
God, I, I, my mom used to hit me if I didn't pick the cilantro fast enough. But that's really not at the top at all. But it's way, way, way in the back influencing who you are as a person, you know? Um, okay. I think that was my take. Shutter Island has been ages since I've seen Shutter Island. So no comment on that. Yeah. So here's movie reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of movies... Did you watch the uh, Academy Awards? Uh, apparently, it was really exciting this year. You know, I, you know, I don't really have access to straight up TV, and I haven't for really ever since I lived here. But like, uh, so you're a, 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 a modern human being. I don't know anybody that has an actual TV hooked up to a TV network. Yeah. Everybody so, has like a smart TV hooked up to a streaming service. You know. So as far as the Oscars, I saw a couple video clips of like acceptance speeches and uh uh jimmy kimmel was the host this year yeah 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 and i watched his monologue yeah oh crazy i watched his monologue just yesterday as well i feel like we have very similar youtube feeds so we're probably seeing a lot of the same seth myers saturday night live stephen colbert yeah yeah so uh i watched up while I was uh, making hot sauce this morning, I... <laughs> <laughs> That's a euphemism for what? <laughs> no, I was literally making hot sauce. Oh, okay. Um, well, I was preparing right, I was preparing right. a fuck ton of chilies was, you know, for... Making the hot sauce. <laughs> I was making the, when I was making the hot fuck sauce. Fuck ton of chili. <laughs> wow, how many chilies did you get last night? <laughs> I mean, collectively, it's about a kilo. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But uh, yeah, so I was preparing a fermentation this morning, and uh, <laughs> that sounds fucking dirty. Yeah, it does too. sound dirty, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, making hot sauce, preparing <laughs> Prepar- a fermentation, preparing a fermentation. Uh. <laughs> Great, I'm gonna think about that every time now. It's so. funny. <laughs> no, but I kind of watched uh, Jimmy Kimmel's monologue in the background, and um, yeah, but I didn't think it was that funny to tell you the truth. No, was, I mean it was, it was okay. It was too safe. I think they were yeah. all. I think everyone at the Oscars was so freaked out right. by the Will Smith thing last year. That Don't they, draw anybody up here to punch you. Yeah, so I think mm-hmm. like they were just being overly safe, which isn't like you know, which is lame. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Oscars. Here's the thing: like, I I personally think like these award shows are pretty like outdated and kind of uh, past their prime. The oh, Oscars yeah. are definitely. The Oscars for me have this sort of twofold effect. One, I think like the Academy is like completely um, kind of tone deaf culturally yeah. a lot of times. And they just are sort of in this loop of we only like certain kinds of highbrow art and movies that, you know, we deem to be intellectually superior on a superior level to other uh, <laughs> to, to other films. So they leave a lot of things out. In the last yeah. couple of years, the, it's, also it's, it's been super self-indulgent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, you know, all these rich people getting together to like pat each other on the back and give each other yeah. a fucking golden statue. You know, like the whole thing is kind of ridiculous. But at the same time for filmmakers, you know, it is really kind of like a golden standard of, oh, you yeah. know, the uh, highest uh, achievement means, you can means. like get. And regardless yeah. of how dated the institution is i still really pay attention to the movies that do get cherry picked to be the best ones and i tend to try to watch them all because oftentimes they're all pretty fucking good movies you know and uh i was really happy that this year the one i was rooting for just 
fucking swept the whole thing and just dominated. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Absolutely. Okay. You told me to go see that movie when it came out. You're like, if you see one fucking movie this year, this is probably the best movie I've seen in a long, this year or a long time. You have, and I think I went maybe two, three days, three days later on your, because uh, uh, when you say it's the best, it's usually is the best as opposed to uh, the uh, <laughs> greasy strangler, which I will never let you forget again i will never forgive you for having me watch that movie here's the thing we have discussed this movie so many times Uh, that at some point you're gonna have to admit that the greasy strangler actually has something about it that makes you think man it's a conversation piece I mean, it's not a good movie. But there are a lot of things in life that are conversation pieces that you don't really want in your life. It's so bad that it's bad. So bad that it's interesting to talk about. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a you know, the Academy Awards is the gold standard. That is the lead standard, I think would be the correct uh, antithesis to that, you know? Uh, But there's something about it. There's something about uh that film that made me want to like try to get other people to see it just so i could get their reaction to it because when i saw it i was so shocked and i was so uh just speechless like what the fuck did i just watch how is this a movie how did this get made this had a budget how did my best friend recommend this to me oh wait a minute that was me not you (laughs) anyway but anyways everything everywhere all at once is to me, it's like a master class in storytelling and film editing. Yeah. Number one, they didn't have a big-ass budget for this movie. They had a very modest budget. They really had to kind of pull resources and do this on a wing and a prayer. Even just because of that, the, the final product was so fucking good. Yeah. Sometimes you look at these movies and you you see like the the credits and there's like hundreds of editors, yeah. you know, spread out all over the fucking world. I think there was like five people that edited this fucking film with eight multiverse universes that all were like g- going in and out of different realities and different uh you know, different timelines and, and, you know, universes. That movie pulled off what Doctor Strange and the multiverse tried to do yeah. with like 35 times more money. And, and way better. And way, way, way better. Way better. I, I didn't think the Doctor Strange and the multiverse was that uh, great of a movie. You but know, the, I, I watched it on flight. It was okay. It, was but okay. it wasn't like, it, it didn't like. This this movie yeah everywhere me up everywhere all at once it, you know. uh, uh, smashed the multiverse standard. But uh, I was thinking about when you were talking about uh, budget and uh, uh, amount of editors and da 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 all that stuff. I was like, yeah, I mean John Bonham can make a ten piece drum set sound like a hundred piece to where you know you got this guy in his like stadium band with a hundred piece drum set. And it's like sounds okay, but you know. I think the real talent is to take the uh, limited resources that you're given and make it look and sound and, and everything like 
way more than it is you know i think that's real raw fucking talent you know that's something that can be super appreciated in this world you know the editor of uh of the film posted a photo of his timeline and the timeline is like when you're editing a movie or, or a video it's like the workspace that you have that lines up all of the clips and you know syncs everything in it's like it's basically like your canvas when you're making a movie he okay. posted a picture of his timeline and his timeline was a disaster <laughs> it was just like right, there's right. just shit everywhere like right. there's like you know disabled clips and uh you know stacks and stacks and stacks of layers and stuff and when i saw this I was like, holy shit. He works just like somebody like me, uh, you know, who's not like just a, a, you know, an industry crafted professional for, you know, decades and has gone to school and knows all this shit. Like somebody who actually kind of pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and, you know, got into this industry and just learned as they went and, you know, this person made one of the best movies I've seen in the last 10 years oh, easily, sure. you know? And, and it's just like, as long as you have a story and you, you have a, a perspective and a purpose, it doesn't f- fucking matter. Like if you've got, you know, a, a team of 150 CGI artists, mm-hmm. you know, scattered across the globe that can come in at any point and work on a, 10 second you know sequence of a big budget film it's like these this crew and the actors and everyone involved seem to all just be so passionate about making this story happen and i think that's why i was like so enamored with it and plus it's the story of an asian immigrant in the u.s Mm -hmm. and you know whenever i've seen this story it's either very stereotypical it's very tokenized it's like a kind of a pastiche of reality mm-hmm. you know it's it's sometimes they from from your perspective sometimes they nail it because you actually went through that yeah and sometimes it's just a clownish uh, character that hollywood you can, you can tell a white guy wrote it exactly exactly yeah. and so for someone to take the Asian immigrant story in the United States huh. and to like turn it into a sci-fi kung fu, <laughs> right. you know, explosion. Awesome. I can't emphasize how fucking awesome that was to yeah, see. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I would like to hear more about how you relate to that, but I think we need a cigarette break uh, real quick. Took the words right out of my mouth. We're, we're about at about a good halfway point, I think. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, cool. Um, Stay tuned for commercial messages from Autark Tattoo. If I mention them, they won't fire me. That's their tagline. They still might fire them. Uh, Yeah, well. (laughs) Anyway, uh, back in five. All right. We're back from smoking and we're back yeah so before we went to uh burn cancerous elements how did it feel as an asian american to 
watch these Asian Americans win Academy Awards. And I mean, I assume they're uh, Asian Americans. The majority of them either have mixed heritage or they're like first generation, you yeah. know, born in China, Hong Kong, wherever, moved oh. to the States and kind of developed oh, okay. from there. I feel like, I feel like Michelle and uh, uh, the, 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 the the guy from the movie uh Ke Hui Kwong. Uh I feel like both of them uh moved to Michelle definitely lived in China for a long time yeah. and then, but we know uh uh Kay as a as a child actor but yeah. uh, I feel like he was still he was born in 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 Asia and came as, as he was he know. actually spent a year in a refugee camp he came oh. over as like a very 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 small child okay and got his break with Indiana Jones Steven that, was, that, was, that was the first big movie he was in eh? yeah that was the first and then he was also okay. in the Goonies he was data in yeah, the yeah, Goonies. Yeah, of course everybody knows and that. then he just yeah. sort of like faded out faded out yeah and then just has this fairy tale comeback mm -hmm. years later. When I first watched the movie, it didn't fully click with me. That, oh, dude, I got that, on my phone as we were watching the movie. Okay. And I was like, you know how you're not supposed to have your phone on in the movie? There wasn't that many people in the theater, so I could easily do it. I'm like, I swear, that's the fucking kid. I swear. And then I was showing Julie. I'm like, look, look. She's like stop fucking interrupting the movie i'm like yeah but i i knew this oh my god yeah okay well here's the thing so when i was a kid and i first saw indiana jones short round was one of the first asian kids that i had ever seen on television or in a film ever like like a young kid asian uh, yeah i guess the so, media doesn't really do, so did that so much when i was a kid and i first saw that movie i was like whoa this is like this is not someone that looks exactly like me but this is like an asian kid in hollywood like this is i didn't think it was possible i really loved his character i really loved that movie however as i started to get older a little older not like teenage years but like still an adolescent what happened was, and I think a lot of Asian kids in the U.S. maybe have a similar experience to me, is that people start calling you short round or they start calling you data. Mm -hmm. And we're I, yelling, pizzas are power! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fucked up. Even though I just did it. But, uh, I mean, I did it. You call him Dr. Jones. You know? <laughs> you know? And, so, and so, like... Okay, I, for me, that's funny. But for you, it was it was, it was was uh, traumatic. Well, you know, I kind of grew to resent his character. Oh. Not because of who he was or his acting. Okay. But because, like, the way Hollywood portrays Asian people, particularly back in the 80s and, you know, 70s before, you know, really my my time uh was a very uh hardcore stereotype kind of tokenized version of what it means to be asian yeah. so uh, i started to really resent the concept of what short round was and i don't think it was like intentionally i don't think steven spielberg was like i want to like demean asian people in my movie i think he really wanted to give this kid a platform and make him like a centric character to the movie yeah but you know because there was so little representation of asian people in the media 
you know, people just sort of latched on to his accent and how like kind of cartoonish he was and just sort of left him at that and didn't really like give enough credit to, you know, the fact that this kid was actually a pretty talented actor at a young age. Right. It, to me, it's like I didn't I never thought him as, of him as cartoonish. I just thought he was a character. And I think there's a big difference. Yeah. And so I think the, what, what... I, I didn't think it was a like a shitty stereotype of some like asian kid doing dr jones's laundry or something that kid was like on it like yeah. driving the car and For like sure. fucking shit up and actually being like like a integral part of the uh mechanics of the adventure you know instead of just being like the uh the asian servant that you'd see in in, in movies prior to that exactly you know? so but so- but people will still take that and make a fucking insult yeah. out of it which sucks definitely for me you know i spent most of my life not really seeing asian people represented and when they did get represented it was a big fucking deal yeah. so like you know growing up in the 90s um a lot of my favorite hardcore punk bands actually had asian americans in them too you know and i was mm-hmm. like for me to see like stories of of Asian people and their experience taught in a told in a in a succinct and artistic way is like a big fucking deal. Yeah. So for me, this movie, when I saw it, I walked out of there and I just my mind was so blown because this is a story that Asian Americans struggling in, to survive and to assimilate and adapt to uh, American culture is a very specific story. And it's, so, it's often just told, you know, in a very linear way without a whole lot of nuance or creativity. So this film was, was a big deal. And watching all of the primary characters of this film get Oscars is it's mind blowing. And did you feel like like a, a justified like yes? You know, I don't know if you call it justified or you'd call it like this like uh, validation of yes, we're here. You know, it's it's more of like a yes, we're here kind of thing. You know, it's like uh, okay. you know, I can't cool. take personal credit or anything no, no, for, no, no, for no. this for this feat of filmmaking that right. you know they these people pulled off i mean but, I, I don't take credit for every movie a white person makes <laughs> that wins an award yeah, yeah. yeah. but, but I, think, I, I think that's that's the 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 beginning of racism yeah. <laughs> but i will say as a as a kid growing up you know i only saw a very very small handful of of asians you know that actually did get a shot and did did somehow make it mm-hmm. but it was such a small such a small number that you kind of go through life just assuming that you know oscars and these kind of like accolades and you know things you can aspire to in the creative world right are, the, the pinnacle goes to whiteies yeah for lack of a better it, term. it goes to like the you know existential french director who you know right. got to go to school and spend his whole life like uh you know learning a trade or something like that you know so a lot of that growing up seeing the world like that kind of gives you an outsider 
view on the world. It's like these top accolades, accolades, sorry, not alkalades. That's that's what I drink when I have a sore throat. <laughs> I'm gonna have some alkalade right now. Right. But these accolades only go to these people, not us. Sure. Because, because you 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 relate yourself to other people that look like you, and it is kind of like uh, this is a sort of not, but not in a, a, a shitty sort of like like a nationalist or, or or like a fascist sort of way. It is, but it is sort of like this. This is us, and we don't get that. Yeah. We, don't, we don't get the top of the top. That's for other people. Uh, that's for uh, the others, and so maybe that. Uh, also partially put your mindset to be an other, you know? Absolutely. I don't think it pushed you to be an other in the other ground, but I think you you do get that feeling from a very young age, from what you experience, to consider yourself not one of those I don't know, man. It's it's hard for me to say as a as a white guy and not sound like a complete idiot or dickhead or racist or or anything like that. But I think you know where, what I'm getting at. Well, here's the thing. Like, uh, you know, maybe I can make an analogy. So, you know, like Tony Hawk was like the first professional skateboarder to pull off like a 540 or a 720, you know, okay. spin on a skateboard. Sure. Until somebody does that and you see it, you don't think it's possible. Okay. Oh, right. You know? Gotcha. But once somebody, like, gets captured on film or, or you know, gets uh, acknowledged for doing something. Right. Uh, was it Tanya Harding did, like, the first uh, triple Lutz or something like that in figure skating or whatever? Right. You know, until you see that happen, you don't think it's possible. And so what I can say uh, fairly confidently is that there's probably young Asian kids growing up in the States or internationally or elsewhere that are maybe, you know, in some sort of marginalized community that saw what happened at this award ceremony and then all of a sudden the possibility of being an Asian actor winning an Oscar is not an impossibility anymore. And I think that's that's actually, I think that's kind of uh, what to me is significant about it. You know, you can talk shit about the Oscars all you want. You know, I do as well. I think there's, it's definitely a flawed institution. However, it is an institution. And when those ceilings get broken, and when you see somebody achieve something that you didn't think was possible, it opens the door for other people to acknowledge that this is now possible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we, we see that a lot, uh, especially in sports where people don't think it's possible. You're talking about Tony Hawk, Tony Harding. I think there's been like many uh, 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 fast runners, you know, where, where it's like, oh, it's impossible to do a three-minute mile. Yeah. Somebody finally does it and is like, holy shit, that's amazing. And then all of a sudden, 
everybody's doing it, you know? Yeah. Everybody's doing the 720. Everybody's doing the fucking 360 figures. And everybody's... Uh, and, and you see, like, well, okay, now it's not possible to a uh, two-minute 45 mile. Bam, you break that. Yeah, I, I, uh, maybe... People are going to write in and say, you're an idiot. Nobody's done that yet. But <laughs> I'm just using this as examples, you know, of, of, of uh, uh, there's things in this life that people don't think are possible. And then all of a sudden, once one person finally fucking does it, every, it, it opens a floodgates and everybody's doing it, you know? Yeah. And, and it's a crazy way the, the, the world, uh, the, no, not the world, but the human mind restricts itself. Yeah. To where finally you get this one person who just fucking says, fuck it, I'm not going to be restric restricted by this uh, self-deprecating human. Uh, I can't do that. I'm going to fucking do it. And then it happens and everybody realizes that's possible. And once that opens up the mind frame of everybody else, once they realize it's possible, then people start doing it, you know? So I'd like to see a lot more, uh, all sorts of non-white people kill it in the Academy Awards yeah. and, and, and more people of, of, of a dynamic range, uh, being elected into a uh, government in the States, you know? Absolutely. Like, uh, fucking in Germany, God damn it. Yeah. Do, do we have anybody who's not white in the German fucking parliament or, I don't know enough about the German Parliament. To yeah, really me, me neither. I just been to. drinking, so I'm, I'm I'm throwing all sorts of random shit out there. But know? here's an example. So the early 2000s, I was playing in a band called Meshkia in Seattle, yeah. and we were at a show, one of our early shows, and a relative of one of our band members was there, and made a comment and was like, "Oh, like what's up with James Eha playing guitar?" And James, James Eha, Eha? James Eha is the guitarist of Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, okay, okay. So he's a Asian guy. He's an Asian guy. Okay, okay. I don't know, you know? the Smashing and Pumpkins. And so, so I, you know, the 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 comment was innocent, poking fun. You know, like oh, what's this? What's up with the Asian guy playing? You know, guitar in this like right? But know? that's a shitty thing to say because what is the the what 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 was the intended response of that? Yeah, um, he's uh, actually uh, moonlighting from uh, Smashing Pumpkins and uh, coming to Seattle and playing in an Iro. <laughs> what, what, what? No, that's a fucking shitty racist fucking thing to say. You can say it's innocent, but when you think about it, what the fuck is the intended response to that? Exactly. However, come on. At the same time, when I heard it, you know, my first initial response was like cringe and just like mm. oh fuck here we go you know mm. but then at the same time i remember being a teenager seeing smashing pumpkins on saturday night live seeing this fucking asian dude fucking ripping at guitar and thinking fuck i could do this like i can do it I can, uh, I can, I, you know i'm seeing a, a future potential of something that i could maybe do someday mm -hmm. so when i heard that comment it was like twofold like one was like i know that wasn't intended to be like a inspiring like lift you up kind of comment mm -hmm. but at the same time i was just like yeah what the fuck is up with james e haw and guitar there you know like fuck it like fucking eat it when i was a kid yeah. i didn't think i would ever be in a situation where i'd be playing on a fucking stage uh. you know and so 
you need to have that representation to to see it as a as a goalpost. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. But uh, with with the Asians uh, sweeping the fucking Academy Awards, you know, I mean, this doesn't necessarily need to be the Academy Awards episode or or the everything everywhere all at once episode. But you know, this is more like 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 uh, just a. Uh, talking about this experience sure i mean it's like inspiring people when you thought things could weren't possible because of race or religion yeah. or, or or gender or anything like that yeah. i mean I, the world has come a very far away from where it was when i was very young yeah, yeah when yeah. i was a kid you know i grew up in boulder colorado and it was predominantly white Racist. culture <laughs> oh culture sorry sorry yeah. yeah i mean white culture white racist culture same fucking thing in my book you know boulder <laughs> sorry boulder is wildly wide widely cons- wildly wildly <laughs> yeah either one works i've heard it both ways boulder was widely considered to be you know kind of a liberal oasis in the middle of you know what was at the time a very conservative state that being said, you know, my neighborhood was probably 85, 87% white. I think I could count all of the Asian kids in my class on one hand. Right. At one point, I think I was the only Asian kid, you know, in certain scenarios, in certain classes, certain teams and stuff. And uh, this concept of being an outsider was a very prescient thing that was mm-hmm. constant. And, um, you know, like I was, I was in the boy Scouts when I was, when I was a kid and I was the only fucking Asian kid there. And I had to endure, you know, a bunch of taunts and bullshit comments from kids in my troop. I got in fights over it. I got, eventually I left the boy Scouts because of it. Right. You and, know? and you became a punk rocker because of it. We did address, we did address that in a prior That's episode. True. So, uh, do you have like a anecdote from that time of something you can like like really direct it at to give the humanistic vibe to it? If you don't, that's no no big deal. I, mm. I, I got I got other questions. You know, you you get used to getting a lot of sideways comments when when you're in that particular situation. Kids will identify you as uh, not being part of the cohesive whole. And they will do whatever they can to make sure that you stay on the outskirts of that. Speaking about the outsider experience, um, it's funny because 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 in our uh, episode one, uh, Colin wrote wrote the uh, viewer mail about talk about the outsider experience, and here we are doing it. Uh, but I think in the outsider experience, the outsider at a young age, I think as you get older. And start fucking covering yourself with tattoos and piercings and fucking colored hair and fucking, you know, chopping off uh, fingers and all that weird shit. Um, that uh, I'm, I I I don't condone. <laughs> but that that's when you uh, that's when you uh, purposefully make yourself an outsider. But I feel like uh, when you're a younger person, I think uh, outside influences create the outsider sure i mean when you're when you're a kid you know, when you're young you really just want to belong you you want to be like you don't want to be yeah. left out yeah you, do, you don't want to be the kid that everyone's like pointing at and laughing at right you know? which, but, which, which kid ever said fucking like like 
fuck all y'all fucking uh, fucking uh, I'm gonna uh, 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 I'm just gonna make a bunch of weird noises because <laughs> because I didn't have that response well thought out so um, yeah but you know as I got older and particularly once I started sort of diverging from this you know path that you know maybe my parents kind of wanted me more on <laughs> moron moron yeah, exactly <laughs> my parents more Sorry. or less wanted the moron you know but uh, like a, the obedient moron you know once mm-hmm. i started i got to a point where i was like if i'm gonna be a fucking outsider and if i'm not gonna be accepted into this core group of kids then I'm just going to start doing what I want. Right. And I'm going to just go with what my heart tells me that I should do. What we're talking about is, is, is as a child, uh, uh, I think society creates the outsider. And then you're talking about like how you kind of went with that and created yourself and to be another outsider. Well, well, well uh, uh, white people in a white um, community can also do that by looking punk or metal or goth or trashy and getting tattooed and piercings and fucking chopping off their ears and stuff like that but uh uh uh, white people in a white community can only do that you can do that but you can also not do that but you're still an outsider because you're a Asian American, yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm just interested in this. What do you think of, of people who, uh, uh, people who don't have to be outsiders, but choose to, you chose to be a punk outsider as an Asian, Asian American. So you got the double, uh, edge of it. And what do you think about what do you do you look at people like me who choose to be outsiders and go like, yeah, bro, cool, whatever, you know? No, because I think any kind of conversations about race aside, the people who do end up gravitating towards subculture are also not accepted into the main fold even if they are white even if they do come from like an upper middle class background or not it's it's not always exactly what i would call a choice i think i think it i think it finds people i think yeah you know i you know you see it it does it does because 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 in 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 my personal opinion i never had a choice but to be anything but like uh not part of everything but i also see people that came up with uh, the same white privilege i had you know i mean i didn't come from a wealthy background but just because i was white you do have an inherent white privilege and i see other people who could have Mental, because I was mentally fucked up, so it wasn't a choice for me in my head. Maybe we could dispute that, but I see other people who were mentally like really, like well and together, and choosing this sort of outsider um, lifestyle because they thought it was the cool, hip, trendy, mm-hmm. 
oh, um, I, I like the girls involved. And, uh, oh, I like girls with red hair, so I'm going to get a mohawk. And, oh, I like girls that are covered in tattoos, so I'm going to start getting tattoos. I'm just looking at from a guy's standpoint, that's why I keep bringing up like uh, uh, what, what girls have done. But but also, um, you know, I, I, I want to be popular on Instagram, so I'm gonna have big spiky hair and you know, and and I talk to these some people, and I just and and with the outsider thing, a lot of times in an outsider group ethic, you kind of stick together, you know. I'm like, oh, you're fucked up. I'm fucked up too because we look similar. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of times you talk to these people who look similar to you and you're like, you are nothing like me. You are actually a well-adjusted person who chose to be an outsider because you thought it was cool. And I went that way because I was just fucked up. And it just... Uh, to me, it, it ended up being kind of cool for a minute. I don't think it's that cool anymore. We could talk about that on an episode about how like being an outsider just used to be cool. Mm-hmm. Now it really isn't anymore with social media. Now, now everybody mainstream. wants now. to be like the person who got the most likes. I also want to get the most likes. So I'm going to be just like the person who got the most likes. I don't want to be different, you know? But then there's the people who do get a lot of likes from being different. And I know a lot of people like that. And it's all just like blown up. And I'm talking way too fucking much, maybe because I'm almost done with this bottle of wine. So, um, <sighs> But Where the, were you going with this? But, but <laughs> here's the thing, and this has been my experience in the in the punk scene ever since uh, I fell into it, is that the people who are just in it for you know sex or you know just want to have some sort of badge on their shoulder, want to they. They were never quite the alpha in like mainstream so they can like infiltrate an underground and become an alpha there and dominate all of these people that were so, you know, oh, I'm punk till death. Blah, 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 blah. None of these people are punks anymore. Man, no, no. You know, so I think I think there's sort of like this kind of like natural selection process that sort of happens you know what i mean like the darwinism of punk like oh that's a good that's a good title for this episode oh, the, the darwinism, darwinism of punk, punk. And, and but people like uh, start it and they're like what what but yeah you gotta listen till the end sure. to get it you know but like uh i think i i don't judge anyone for the reasoning behind finding identity in things you know, like I struggled for so long when I was younger trying to figure out who the fuck I was because I, you know, I had an Asian household, you know, where we where we had to take our shoes off when we got home. You know, we had rice at nearly That's every not meal. not necessarily an Asian thing. <laughs> but just go with me here. Like, okay, 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 okay. You Sorry. know, like uh, my friends would come over for pizza sometime and there would be rice on the table and everyone would be confused. You know, like there, there are certain things about my upbringing that automatically uh, 
you know, side chained me from the rest of society. Okay. Yeah. And there was an inescapable uh, reality that I was not a part of everything that was going on around me. Man, you can't escape who you are, right? You can't. And, uh. you know, I resented it for so long uh. until I got to a point where I realized that, you know, this is this is the DNA that makes up my identity now. Uh-huh. And even though I railed against it so much when I was younger, I really understand that a lot of my experience and the way that I am now is a direct result of this experience that I had growing up. But at a certain point, I think there was like a shift and I started to really appreciate and understand that that perspective set me on a trajectory. And that's now I'm living in Berlin. You know, this is insane. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now, now we're both outsiders. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Did you, you know, you're also a child of an immigrant family. Like your your parents are first generation Latvians yeah, that yeah. moved to the States. So like I'm really curious as to how and if you had any kind of unique experiences that sort of set you a, set you on the outside of, you know, the other kids in your school. Not really. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think there was, like, nobody could pronounce my name, and they all thought it was weird, and when people found out I was, uh, when teachers found out I was a child of refugees from uh, what was the Soviet Union back then, they got real weird, like I was some sort of infiltrator, you know, like, like, oh, fuck, what are you doing here, are you spying on us, are you trying to... Tickers. Not me, but my parents. But they thought I might have been like like a plant. Uh, really? Did you have like teachers that actually like said shit like that to you? No, but they would be really confused and they would grill me. And they're like, "Where are your parents from? Latvia. Where? Where's that? Latvia. <laughs> Where's that? Soviet Union. Latvia. Yes, the Soviet Union. Yes." And he's still the Soviet Union because it's the 70s, you know, so it's still Soviet Union. And they would just like kind of like just get upset that I would say that. And because back then, just to be from the Soviet Union was kind of upsetting people because there's a whole dark time with the Cold with the Cold War had a nuclear holocaust and game of it, which was terrifying to people. And, and, and there's another podcast for what was it like growing up? During the Cold War, with a with a nuclear holocaust hanging over your head, always. Ugh. So um, and and um, yeah, but that was about it. I was, I was still fortunate enough to be, come in as a white kid, so I really didn't have uh, a traumatic experience from it. I uh, but but to this day, uh, I don't I don't use my real last name because uh, every fucking first day in every single fucking grade when a teacher called my name they would try and pronounce my name it's like no it's not how you pronounce it say it again that's i'd say it no uh, that's not you know is that back and forth and i just got so fucking uh, like fuck 
you, you know, that when people see my last name now and they try and pronounce it, they go, did I get it right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got it right. Oh, yeah, so good. Perfect, nailed it the first time. Move the fuck on. Let's talk about me as a human being, not my fucking stupid name. That's impossible to pronounce except by anybody who was born in Latvia, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I really didn't have the outsider experience that, but maybe, maybe this is touching yeah. on it though because you're like maybe focus on me being a human being then uh this exterior thing to me that you've fixated on to separate me from the rest of like humanity <clears throat> you know uh-huh. but but i mean th- that's actually a thing i mean that's that uh-huh. that that for me was actually a, a huge like contingent factor in my like upbringing as being like an Asian American kid is that I felt like people saw me and they fixated on my race and my, mm. they wanted to know. And it, this is, this is one thing that really permeates my whole uh, experience in Berlin as well uh-uh. is that I meet people and they're like, Oh, okay. I can't figure out like what you are. And then, then they start, I'm a fucking human being. <laughs> yeah. You know, but how about that? So, so they like, well, we start with that. So where are you from? You know, like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm from the States. I'm from Colorado. I always, I always center on that first. I was like, uh, I'm from Colorado. And they're like, okay. And like, it's in the geographic center of the United States. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. Oh, but I mean, you know, it really is. Okay. 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 I got a funny story. I was in Bremen with this girl I was dating at the time. Uh, not Julie, but a different one. So we don't have to talk, mention names, you know. Because I'll, pro- al- I'll probably edit that out. There's only <laughs> there's only Julie. Everybody else is nameless. But anyway, we're in this bar, and it's like a punk bar, and you know, in the punk bars in Bremen, you're gonna be playing punk, you're gonna be playing metal, and everybody looks kind of punk or kind of metal. The other girl. Almost said her name. Uh, was from the metal scene, and she was talking to the bartender, and she goes like, "So, what are you? Are you are you are you like punk or are you metal?" She, but 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 the bartender, being like from the lefty, says, "I'm a fucking human being," and without being able to control myself, I go, "No, you're not. You're a part of the machine." <laughs> <laughs> And he looked at me. I don't think he was from the crass whole generation I was from. He looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, God damn it. Maybe we should just pay our tab and leave. Oh, I thought he would appreciate that one. Anyway, if anybody doesn't know, that's a reference to a classic crass lyric. That's amazing. What an amazing story. Holy shit, that's perfect. That was perfect. It really was. I was like, I, and I thought he was even going to say it. So I almost did it, expecting us to like have a, have a, like a, like a sing-along moment together. But he didn't do it. And then I'm standing there holding like the microphone by myself, you know, like, uh, not that there was a microphone, but, you know, that, that, that like, uh, meta- metaphorical microphone of like, ha, whoo. Ooh, I'm, I'm hooting like an owl. Can somebody, can somebody help me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. That is so fucking good. Uh, what a perfect, yeah. what a perfect end cap. Oh my god. Yeah.
Next episode, we talk about what I've been doing. Yes. And if, if you want. Yeah, and I think maybe by that time you'll be back from Helsinki and we can actually like uh, figure out what you what what your finished experience was, was Okay, like. well, let's finish that experience. All right, sounds good. Okay, cool. See you next time. All right, bye. Ah! We can end that out. Hey, if you like us and and you're interested in what we're doing and you want to follow stuff that we do and and you want to do that in doing so, you can do this. You can can do uh, an, an email with viewer mail to... W-C-E-T-O podcast at gmail.com Wrong. That was completely wrong. <laughs> no, just kidding. You got it right. Um, I just wanted to... God I damn did, it. I just, I, just, I just wanted to be the uh, naysayer of the group. Um, now that this is a group, two people is not really a group, is it? It's a duo, a dynamic duo. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I'm Batman. Um... Uh, Hey, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Um, uh, Robbing your mom's clothes off. What? (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Uh, I'm getting back to it. Did did you say me and my mom's clothes? No, 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 no. The clothes are off? No, 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 no. And also follow us on Facebook. What are we on Facebook, Rob? I can't remember. It's We Can Edit That Out. Oh, that's it. Crazy. What an interesting and unique <laughs> title. And super good. Super original. That's what that's why we're here. But also please follow us on Instagram because um we need the money. <laughs> I don't know how we'd make money off of Instagram, but it doesn't matter. Some people just, do. Just it's just something to say. Uh and and what's our what's our uh T- uh, title at uh, Instagram. <laughs> it is we can edit that out underscore podcast. Yeah, and you don't actually write out underscore. You just put the symbol for underscore. Yeah, if you underscored it, then that would that would be you'd be undermining your whole purpose there.